Portugal has a very strong connection to North America. Christopher Columbus, at least when I was growing up, was hailed as the first explorer from Europe to visit the New World. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue was a useful mnemonic device for grade schoolers of the 1970s and 80s. Now, you likely know about Portugal because of famous people like footballer Cristiano Ronaldo. Or you may know that Canadian singer Nelly Furtado has Portuguese ancestors, though she was born in Victoria, B.C. And if you're political in any way or follow drug policy around the world, something that gets brought up here in Canada from time to time, you might be familiar with the fact that Portugal decriminalized most drugs in 2001, making it an administrative rather than a criminal penalty if you're found in possession of or consuming narcotics. Whatever your knowledge of that fantastic country on the Atlantic, pack your airbags and join me for a trip across the pond to the beautiful port city of Porto, Portugal, on the expats. Welcome to the Expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Gail Aguiar has trotted around the globe and documented her experiences for over 13 years on her blog, gaelatlarge.net. She's moved from place to place, but always with a flame in her heart for Canada. She now finds herself in Porto, Portugal, and that's where she spoke to me from recently on a lovely Sunday evening. I left home at 18 and three months. So that's a put it this way. I graduated in June 1990, and I I was away in September by September one, I think. And what was it that drew you away? What made you want to travel? Well, I don't know how old you are, but this was a, a global recession, and usually what happens during global recessions that I found out in subsequent recessions is that everyone goes back to school. So there were a lot of people who decided, okay, not a lot of work, go back to school, and all the the low-end jobs had, you know, like 200 people applying for them. So I thought, okay, um, I applied to, I tried to, I wrote away to colleges and universities and I was accepted, but my parents wouldn't fill out the student loan forms. So I was kind of between a rock and a hard place. And then I said, if I'm going to be 18 years old and working a low-end job, I'd rather do it in some place that's fun. Somewhere else. <laughs> so, so I went to band for a year, and that's where I picked up the bug. Is that that's you, where I got infe- infected? And is that because you <laughs> met job. a lot of people from other places in Banff? Yeah, it's. I don't know if you've been there, but it's like it's, it's just it's not real life. Basically, lots of people coming. You know, you could meet 10, 15, 20 people a day if you wanted to. Just lots of transients and people working the ski hills and. You know, everyone from Aussies to Kiwis working on the ski hills. And then in the summer, you get all the people who speak Japanese so that they would go, you know, get good money playing on the golf course <laughs> and then translating. Yeah, it was such a, oh, I, re- I was like, I really wished I could speak Japanese because the, the money that people were making was incredible. And everyone was, you know, between 18 and 30. And it's, it's, not, it's not really like real life, but it's a lot of fun for a year. Yeah, I bet. 
And so now you're living in a place called Porto, Portugal, correct? That's right. And what is it that brought you? Uh, I mean, I know you've been you've lived in a few countries and you've traveled the world. Why? Uh, why settle down in Portugal? Well, I have this birthday tradition where I go to a new country uh, <laughs> on my birthday, and the only criteria for what makes a new country is I haven't have had uh, I haven't stepped foot in it before. So even if I just kind of passed through some places, it didn't count. I figured there's enough countries in the world that I can have a stupid criteria <laughs> and, and keep going for a long time. So <laughs> it doesn't mean that I'll never go back. It's just, it's just a thing, a birthday thing. So in 2011, I decided I play like this travel roulette game. I look at, you know, I look at all the cheap places I can get to around the middle of June, uh, early June. And then I just throw a dart. <laughs> <laughs> It, it always comes down to time and money, right? Like For time sure. And money. So it's it's whatever happens in June. And actually, in two thousand nine, it was this crazy birthday trip because um, I was supposed to start a new job on June the first, and I I'd gone to four interviews to get this job. I really wanted it, and then when they, they I got the job offer on the twenty seventh of May, I had to face a decision whether to continue this birthday trip. But anyway, yeah, it's important to me. The whole the point is I ended up getting the job and I got into the company and everything worked out well, which to me is a lesson in if you really want something, <laughs> you go for it. You don't compromise. Yeah. You go for it and things just happen to, to work out. So it was, it was an excellent job. I, I, I tell the story a lot to people because I think that people are afraid of leaving jobs, that people are afraid of looking for new jobs, people are afraid of, you know, and I just say, well, you know, there's, there's good employers out there, there's good jobs out there, it's just, you have to take a chance. So in, in 2011, I was on <laughs> the Air Transat site, and I just kind of played roulette, and I hit upon the Azores. And in the end, I didn't even go to the Azores, and I thought, mm, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go to the mainland, yeah, sure. Okay, because I didn't know anything about these doors at all. Just looked at some pictures, and, and I went to the mainland, and I was couch surfing, and I met, I had excellent couch surfing hosts, and the, the third one uh, ended up to be um, uh, my husband. Oh. To make a, a very long story short. Yeah, I mean, it took a year. We were friends for a year, and then I, I decided, okay. But it wasn't my. It wasn't all my decision to move to Portugal. I said, you know, if you want to live in Canada, that's always an option. And so we had a discussion about it. And I said, these are the reasons why I want to live in Portugal. And he gave his rebuttals and caveats and everything. And the winner came out in Portugal. And what were what were some of the reasons you gave for wanting to live in Portugal? Well, uh, all practical stuff. Because I'm I'm a pragmatic person. It's not like I didn't. I was never an expat for. For the usual reasons, like I was never an expat for studying. I was I never moved for a job. I was never a trailing spouse. None of these things. Yeah. I, it was always circumstances and that kind of thing. Gut 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 reasons. <laughs> so I, you know, we we had a, a discussion, and I said, obviously, there's some barriers. You know, there's there's things that I, I had to to change to move here, and I had to show that I was willing to change it, and I could. I could do it. But it's a, such a long list. I mean, I, my main reason for moving here is because lots of people, especially Portuguese people, are very self-deprecating. They, they put down Portugal and say, you know, we were once, once an empire and 
now look at us, you know, crisis, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I'm, when I went to Portugal as a tourist, I, was, I immediately from day one noticed there's some very, some very unusual things about the country. There's just, it felt different. I'd been to Spain a couple of times. I figured, you know, it's the same peninsula, but miles different. The way people are, people are very, uh, Portugal is not a, they're not into riots. Like they've never had riots, even during the crisis. Yeah. Never rioted. To me, that is a hugely positive thing. The fact that you can actually reach this place where people find excuses to be violent and yet they're not violent. You know, things are resolved in, you know, satisfactory ways that, that people don't resort to violence. I noticed that with everything from, you know, I didn't notice a lot of conflict. Like I didn't notice a lot of, like when people get drunk in Canada, they tend to want to pick fights. Yeah. It, it's a, you know, especially, you know, you, you leave the bar closes and people spill out and people just want to punch each other. For some reason. Here, people just, people just want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, let's go dancing. <laughs> to me, that's, you know, that's a great reason to live in a country. You know, people don't want to punch each other in the face. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. It actually makes, you know, you're describing the, the Portuguese people that you've encountered almost like folks who live on the West Coast of Canada, you know, really laid back uh, island culture kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it has it has its downsides as well. I mean, lots of people criticize Portugal for, you know, allowing a corrupt government, and it, you know, it's you hear these. I I, mean, I hear these same arguments in lots of places where people are laid back. Yeah, you know, people can be too laid back. You can be too laid back about politics. You can be too laid back about you know lots of things. You know, law enforcement, and but I've been. You know, it's funny. I've been to large scale events with you know thousands and thousands of people, and I find it amazing that there's hardly any police. And when there are police around, it's the atmosphere is really different. Really, you don't get a sense of tension that you know something's going to explode and someone's going to, you know, you know. Do you know what I mean? When you're at really large events, sometimes uh, you feel like, okay, something could happen, you know, may not want to bring the kids out. Yeah, like large, you know? large crowds create a situation yeah. that where you're not feeling yeah. safe, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially late night ones. But here, people have their kids out all the time, <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. And it's just, it's a totally different atmosphere. People don't feel, uh, they're not paranoid and people don't feel threatened. And they, it's just... I let this, it's a feeling. It's very hard to describe. But, yeah. you know, you, I, I've been to lots of events. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an event photographer, so I love events. Uh, I've been to events at like three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, nobody's, nobody's picking a fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's just really happy. What a novel, what a novel concept. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you, yeah, you, yeah. you talk about, um, you know, this sort of feeling of safety. I mean, I've spoken with uh, people from different parts of the world who will not let their children outside to play because they're worried they'll be kidnapped. I'm getting the sense that that is not something you think about in Portugal. No. You just no, you mean, just set the children free and let them do what they want? It's funny because, I mean, the laws do intervene, and the, the laws, we were talking about this at a dinner the other day, that you know parents can't just let their kids roam free because of laws enacted to protect children. But as a general feeling in society here. I mean, I see kids running around all the time. I don't see a parent. And I know there's parents around, but it's very much the village atmosphere where, you know, it takes a village to raise a child and people look after each other. And, you know, lots of police officers, you know, pat kids on the head. I mean, 
a lot of that kind of stuff doesn't happen in Canada because people are like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> don't touch my child. Uh, and here, some people, some expats don't like all this touchy touchy stuff. People are people melt when they see children here. Oh, it's really? A very, yeah, and I, that's the other thing, too. I mean, I don't have kids, but I would prefer to live in a society where people don't hate children. Um, you mentioned other expats. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the expat community like in Portugal where you're living? Um, in in Porto, it, there's a huge uh, Erasmus community. So Erasmus is uh, the university students that you can in Europe. You can go from one university to the in your home country to another university, another country. So I feel that that part of the, part of the reason why Europeans are so used to other cultures, other languages is not just because they live next door to each other so many, is because they encourage uh, movement, yeah. lots of movement between countries. And so that in cities, big cities, uh, Portugal only has two big cities, and they're not that big. Uh, this one in Portugal, there's communities of, of students who, you know, go for a semester or two, some stay. But apart from the import, there's in Lisbon, there's way more. Way, there's a lot of more Americans in Lisbon. There's not as many Americans in Porto. There's lots of Brits in Porto. Um, I'm the only... <laughs> I'm, I haven't met any other Canadians living here. I know two. there are two because they emailed me, but I've never <laughs> actually met them. No way. That's it. And the thing is, I think actually that's, that's a good thing because to me that tells me that integration is important. For People, sure. Like, I don't need to meet another Canadian. I mean, it's not that I don't like Canadians. Yeah, but... but that's not what you're there for, right? I don't need to. <laughs> and if we have, if I happen to meet one, you know, it's because we bumped into each other and we didn't go looking for each other. Yeah. I was just going to ask, what is the perception of Canadians among the Portuguese people you've encountered? Are we, are do they like us? Do they think we're obnoxious like Americans are? No. The thing is, uh, because this is the other thing. I, I may not look like a classic Canadian, like one, you know, a Canadian that people see in the bureau commercials because we're. Asians are very un- underrepresented <laughs> in <laughs> advertising and lots of things. But because they don't know, but I don't have people asking me. I mean, I've lived in countries where people are constantly asking me, and I cannot get a conversation going without that question. Yeah. Here, it's, it's very possible for me to have an entire conversation without someone asking me, which I think is a very positive thing, because they're willing to just let it come out naturally and not be forced and then, because I have a very complicated uh, history of moving around, you know, it's like a where are you from question is really kind of obnoxious sometimes. Because then I either have to sh- make a really short answer that leaves a lot more questions than it answers. Yeah. Uh, or I have to, you know, I have to spend the whole, I just have to do this over and over again. And thankfully, I haven't had to do that here. But the, as far as Canadian, I mean, I think they're confused because I open my mouth and I sound like, okay, here's the other thing. In Portugal, there's no dubbing of movies and TV shows. It's all it's subtitles? Subtitled, yeah, except cartoons. Because <laughs> <laughs> cartoons are for, you know, <laughs> kids who haven't learned to read yet. Right. So they, they'll show things uh, during the day uh, dubbed, and then in the, they'll usually sometimes have another show that's in the original language. And because everything in Portugal is shown in the original language, that's another reason why their English is pretty good. And they, e- it's easier for them to understand me because this is, I'm speaking with an accent that you're, they're familiar with. Yeah. So that helps a lot, a lot, actually. And, and, there's, and there's Canadian shows here, too. Like, my husband watches TV, and then all of a sudden I'll hear, I'll go, hey, 
that's a Canadian accent. And he's, it's, he's watching Dragon's Den. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny, like, I'm very, you know, my, my ear is really, because I have to train myself to really listen all the time because the Portuguese accent is really, for me, very, quite difficult. But when people listen to me, I think they have a, an easier time understanding me because I have this sort of, because uh, maybe I'm, okay, call me biased, but I think the Canadian accent is actually easier to understand. You yeah. don't have this drawl and uh, maybe it's because I, sh- I enunciate it a little bit better, just out of, like subconsciously, maybe, I don't yeah. know. But listening to the interviews that you've done with other people, I, I'm very like, oh, if I found this, if I heard this on the street, would I know that's Canadian? I think so. Do I sound like, do I sound like that? I don't know. People have a very positive um, view of Canada simply, not simply, but be, par- partly because of the Portuguese diaspora. Right, of course. There's now, a there's a big uh, Portuguese population in Canada. Now you, in your email to me, you, you talked about... Um uh, this is becoming a huge issue in the current Canadian election, expat voting. And you said you had to sort of examine and come to terms with with uh, Canadianness and what it means to to be Canadian. And I just wanted to spend a few minutes, uh, maybe, getting you you to explain what you meant by that. I don't know. It's to be Canadian. I I think you have to. I mean, just the act of voting itself abroad is harder than actually voting in Canada. So to me, that should be enough reason to say we're connected yeah. to Canada, we're connected to the issues, and that's enough. And the fact that prisoners in jail can vote, it's like, because a lot of people say, oh, you don't pay taxes, you don't have property in Canada, like, and I'm thinking, yeah, but if I'm in jail, <laughs> I, you know, I don't even earn anything, and I can still vote. <laughs> I'm but, still not paying taxes. So but it does really sad. it does really call into question, you know, what 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 citizenship actually means because I I don't think and I'm getting the sense that you don't think that it should just be about what you pay and what you own. It's it is a lot about um how you identify and 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 what your home country means to you. Well, here's the other thing too. Um I volunteer in a in a detention center. Uh for people who are who face imminent deportation, so you know, I get I go in there. People don't have any clue where I'm from, and then I open my mouth, and they get even more confused. But everything that comes out of my mouth, they automatically associate with being Canadian, because I'm probably the only Canadian they've ever met in their entire lives. Yeah. So everything I say represents Canada, whether I like it or not. And part of the, the thing I think about travel is that it puts you in an ambassador role. Yeah, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. Whether you do something stupid or you just do something with integrity. But that's what we are. Expats are ambassadors for the country. And to be denied this basic right is, I think, somebody's not paying attention. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, there's so many expats abroad and they don't vote. But the thing is that we may not be in Canada, but no matter what happens, like, for example, okay, with the Canadian passport, if you get into trouble in a foreign country, it says even in the passport that you are allowed to go to the embassy or consulate and ask for help. To me, that is saying, okay, there is a tie to Canada, and it's an important one. What if I get thrown in in jail in Bangkok for suspected, you know, drug smuggling? Mm-hmm. You know, the first <laughs> the first thing I'm going to do is that I'm going to appeal to Canada, 
you know, it, because otherwise I could be put on trial unfairly and I have no, uh, no nothing to help me. I mean, there's lots of examples in recent, uh, recently, for yeah. example, you know, Al Jazeera uh, journalists, for example, where people are unfairly imprisoned. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I, I think there's a lot more to it than, than people think. I mean, lots of people think that you have to live in Canada to be Canadian, but I completely disagree. Oh, I'm so Canadian do I. I'm every single day. Yeah, I totally agree with you. <laughs> now, give, given that you are Canadian every single day, but you're living outside of Canada, what are some of the things you miss about being at home? Most people talk about food. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of an... Okay, so there's this out of sight, out of mind, out of mind thing, which works because I don't look at Canadian food. There is no nothing labeled. There's no Canadian bake. Nothing labeled Canadian anything here in Portugal, as far as I know. Oh, there's occasional American things, but so I don't really think about it. And then suddenly, somebody will post a picture of ex Benedict. And, oh. <laughs> That's not very Canadian, but the you know, like the back bacon. <laughs> yeah. When it has back bacon on. That's yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and then, so the you know the advent of the internet is not exactly helped. It helps because it helps keep you connected as far as technology and talking to people. But you know when you see pictures of like recently, I mean just just the other day, I decided this is it. I'm going to host a Canadian slash American Thanksgiving. Cool. This this year, I'm going to do it. And then I thought to myself. Man, I'm trying to think of back over all the Thanksgivings I've had in Canada. What on earth did we eat? And yeah, it's an exercise in in you know like what what do I miss? I miss um, I don't know. So things like um, I told somebody yesterday about Caesars. Oh yeah, the drinks. That is definitely not outside of Canada <laughs> <laughs> because Clamato is very Canadian. Yeah. I, I've never seen Clamato juice. Outside of Canada. Interesting. Canada. So you you're you're jonesing for a decent Caesar. Yeah, and spicy, really <laughs> spicy with like sea salt. The more I thought about it, it's like dang. Because whenever I have friends visiting, and I had a lot of friends visit this year. Holy cow, lots. Um, everyone's like, oh, what should I bring? And then you just tell me, like, <gasps> <laughs> one friend, uh, her mom. Funny here, Ukrainian mom sent over uh, maple syrup. So I made maple cookies and mm. I brought them to a dinner the other night. And so every, that's the first time anybody had eaten maple cookies. That was wow. such a novelty. And I thought, God, yeah, a hit. I'm going to make that again. <laughs> you are you are an ambassador. You're doing good work on behalf of the, the nation of Canada. Yeah, I mean, screw craft dinner. I, <laughs> you know, lots of people say craft dinner. And I'm like, oh, get away from this. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even real cheese. Everyone's gonna think we don't know what real cheese is. Oh, and we know what real cheese is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, lots of foreigners I know in Canada complain about the cost of cheese, but it doesn't mean we. I, I said, go to Quebec. I said, there you'll find some real cheese heads. I mean, they'll talk cheese all day long if, if you let them. Remember, you can follow Gail's adventures on her blog at gaelatlarge.net. That's Gail spelled G-A-I-L. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Expats. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself. And let's keep building this global network of Canadians living abroad. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you like this episode, do us a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. 
Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.